good morning, church. That was a wonderful way to start our worship, wasn't it? Some awesome praise, some awesome opportunities to serve. Man, I, I don't know about you, but I know God is in this place. So thank you, worship team, for leading us. So I was reflecting this week as I was brushing my teeth, which is a great time to think. If I mean, what else you got to do? You got to do it for two minutes, right? Three minutes, depending. Well, so if you do, if you brush your teeth for at least two minutes twice a day, do you know that you will spend one day a year brushing your teeth? <laughs> True story. One day a year doing nothing but brush your teeth. And that seems like a little bit of a waste of time. And yet, and yet, I think it's incredibly important to brush our teeth. So that got me thinking, how do we as Americans spend our time? So I, I have this use the power of Google, and, and this is really hard to see, but, but what I really want you to think, see that blue, no, the red, the red pie is the amount of time that we spend in leisure and sports. And according to this one, this particular study, it's 5.21 hours a day. Five hours a day. And if we can go to the next pie chart, you'll see that the greatest portion of that is watching TV. Now, I'm just as guilty, but two and a half hours each day watching TV. You know, the number one excuse that people give me on why they cannot serve in the church is that they do not have time. And I think that this shows us that we do have time. It's all about, exactly what Kim said, how we decide to organize our time. Now, I'm not trying to make you feel guilty. I'm as bad about this as anybody. I put the kids to bed, I flip on the Netflix, and I'm good to go for the next two hours, right? I was watching a lot of football yesterday. I'm sure a lot of y'all were doing that too. But we can't make the excuse that we don't have, a, have the time to reach out in service if on average Americans are spending five hours a day in leisure time. What we're talking about today is that we are called to serve our neighbors. We, we're on this, over September, we're talking about Vision 2030, how God has called us to impact our communities and the world around us. Our vision statement, bridging people to Jesus the rock through relationships with deeply committed disciples who love, learn, and launch themselves into ministry. We believe that each and every one of you are called to serve our neighbors. And so today that's what we're talking about, how we can serve our neighbors. I don't know if you've ever sat on a stool, especially one that has three legs, uh, but if you do not have all three legs, what happens? It falls over and it usually you get hurt, right? If a leg breaks, you fall over. Our faith has three very important legs to it. One leg is worship. We have to commit ourselves to corporate worship every week. And it's not really about us. It's about giving our worship to God who loves us and wants to spend time with us. But we also need to take some of that leisure time, some of that five hours that we're spending in front of the tube, or the two and a half hours that we're spending in front of the tube, and turn it off and spend time with God. That's one leg. The second leg is that we have to take our growth as disciples of Jesus Christ seriously. That means that each of you could commit one hour a week, one hour a week, to being in a group and growing your faith. And the third aspect of that is, the third leg of the seat, is that each of us could commit to one hour a week to serve our neighbors. And if we don't have all three of those legs, then our faith 
will fall over because we need all three things to keep us connected to God and to each other. You know, we believe that Jesus came into our world for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever would believe in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. We learn that as children. 1 Corinthians 3.9 tells us that we are co-workers in God's service. So that means that that's not just Jesus' mission. That's our mission. If we say that we follow Jesus, we are called to be co-workers in God's love to all the world. We sing the song, uh, Reckless Love, and we talk about how God's love is unending and it's reckless, and God is desperately calling out to us. Well, friends, we have that same mission. We're called to have reckless love for our neighbors so that we can reach the world through mission and service. Our scripture today comes from 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 1 through 10. So if you brought your Bible, you can read along or you can follow along on the screen. This is what it says. Therefore, since Christ suffered as a human, you should arm yourselves also with this way of thinking. This is because whoever suffers is finished with sin. As a result, they don't live the rest of their human lives in ways determined by human desires, but in ways determined by God's will. You have wasted enough time doing what unbelievers desire. Living in their unrestrained immorality and lust, their drunkenness and excessive feasting and wild parties, and their forbidden worship of idols. They think it's strange that you won't join in these activities with the same flood of unrestrained wickedness. They slander you. They will have to reckon with the one who is ready to judge the living and the dead. Indeed, this is the reason the good news was also preached to the dead, that this, this happened so that, although they were judged as humans according to the human standards, they could live by the Spirit according to divine standards. The end of everything has come. Therefore, be self-controlled and clear-headed so you can pray. Above all, show sincere love to each other because love brings about forgiveness of many sins. Open your homes to each other without complaining and serve each other according to the gift each person has received as as good managers of God's diverse gifts. This is our scripture this morning. Uh, in some Bibles, I think it's the NIV, it has different you know, headings. If you ever look in your Bible, they have headings. This one says, living for God. I think that living for God is living a life of service to our neighbors. We have to commit to loving and serving the people in our community around us. Did you hear that line about stop wasting time with the things that you wasted time with before you started following Jesus? I'm not saying you're not supposed to have time to relax. I'm not saying that you don't deserve a little bit of Sabbath time. But what I am saying is you cannot put those things before serving God and serving our neighbors. We as the church need to get outside these walls and start loving our neighbors as God loves us. So what is a life living for God, living for God look like? Well, first we're called to live according to God's Spirit. And when I think about living according to God's Spirit, my mind turns to the fruit of Spirit. And so this is how we are to interact with people day by day, every moment of our lives. The fruit of the Spirit, this is from Galatians chapter 5, verse 22. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against things like this. 
This is how we're supposed to interact with each other. When, whether we like the person or not, we, our lives need to be full of these things. Because if they're not, they'll be full of things like idolatry and drug use, casting spells, hate, fighting, obsession, losing your temper, competitive opposition, conflict, selfishness, rivalry, jealousy, drunkenness, partying, and other things like that. Because those are the fruits of the flesh. Are you living by fruits of the Spirit? Are you full of joy and peace and faithfulness and kindness and self-control? Can people tell that you are a Christian without you even having to say a word? That's what living by the Spirit looks like. We're also called to be filled by the power of the Holy Spirit. We believe that each and every one of us in the body of Christ has been given a gift by God for the building up of the church. That means every person in this room. God has designed you specifically with a purpose, with a gift, has equipped you uniquely for God's service. Every single one of you. And if you want to know more about that, about how you are uniquely and wonderfully equipped through the gifts of the Holy Spirit, we have our associate pastor, Randy Bell, and he's going to be leading a class on spiritual gifts. We want everyone to find out what their gifts are and to be leading in those ways so that we can truly transform the world around us. Not through our gifts, but through the power of the Holy Spirit. So if you don't know what your gifts are, sign up for the class and learn and take away that excuse as well. So we are called to love each other deeply. Love each other deeply. That means that we put the needs of others before our own needs. That this community, this people of faith, that when you walk in these doors, you should be overflowing with the love that the people around you give. That when you open the doors, there's someone smiling and shaking your hands. That when you come into the room, that whether you know the person or not, that you're greeting the people next to you. So people know love. That when you're in a place of hurt and loneliness and suffering, that you have people come alongside you. But it's absolutely important. Even in a room of 200 people, you can get lost. You have to be in a life group. You have to be in a Bible study. You need those people who can come around you, who will know when you are hurting, who will know when you're sad, who will know when you're lost, who will know when you're in a dark place. So give your time to be in a life group. Then we are also called to love the people outside these walls. You know, Jesus tells us to love our enemies. You know, the the tax collectors, he always was saying bad things about them. And uh, they were not very popular. But he says, even the tax collectors, even the tax collectors love their family. Even the tax collectors love their friends. But you, those who call yourselves Christians, are called to love your enemies. So that means people who hate you and despise you and dislike you and don't want to see you, you're called to love them. But your neighbors, your coworkers, the people you come in contact with on a daily basis, you are called to love them as you love your family. So they'll want to come and be a part of a community where they can experience the true love of God that you can't get outside of these walls. So we're supposed to love each other and love our community. I love the line in here where it says, love leads to forgiveness. Uh, Gary Chapman, his book, The Five Love Languages, talks about a love bank. Guys, you need to really listen to this part because this is very true for women. That they have a love bank, and every time you love them, you're making deposits into the love bank, right? And so when you do something, you make a mistake because we all make mistakes, right, guys? 
We're making a withdrawal from that love bank. This is exactly what Peter is saying in the scripture. And it doesn't matter if you're a, a male or a female, we all need to be loved. And so when we are loving people well, we're going to make mistakes. We're going to step on your toes. We're going to make you frustrated. You're going to get annoyed because we're a community, we're people. But if we filled up that love bank by loving on each other, by caring for each other, by being there for each other, then we're more likely to forgive. So if you want to have a relationship with people where you know that they will forgive you when you make mistakes, then have a, a relationship built on love and love of other people. He goes on to talk about the importance of hospitality. You know, when we serve our neighbors, it's not just outside the walls of these doors. We serve them for when they pull in the parking lot and they see the beautiful grounds and they get someone to shake their hands and they get a donut and someone has set out the donuts and they can drop their kids off at the nursery and they get to meet Mr. Paul and whoever else is volunteering over there and they get to send their kids to the, the children's time and they get to hang out with those wonderful volunteers who are skipping worship to be with your kids right now because they love them. We are serving our neighbors. Every time we volunteer within these walls, this band that led us so beautifully and wonderfully is serving our neighbors by giving hours of their time so that we can have beautiful worship to sing to God. We serve our neighbors with the hospitality that God has given us. That's one way we serve our neighbors. But we also have to go outside the walls of the church. We don't do any good if we only stay in here and we only take care of one another if we're not outside the walls of the church because there are people who are hurting. There are darkness. There are people so mired in sin that they think they have no hope. They do have hope. They have hope in Jesus Christ and Jesus is saying, here's my church, here are my co-workers. Jesus calls on us, the body of Christ, to be Jesus' hands and feet. In the world. Whatever gift you have, serving, leadership, administration, preaching, teaching, shepherding, whatever gift you have, God has given you that gift so that we can be a church that serves our neighbors. And so when we talk about Vision 2030 and bridging people to Christ through relationships with deeply committed disciples who love, learn, and launch. It has three focus areas. One, we're going to make disciples. Two, we're going to develop leaders. And three, we're going to serve our neighbors. And there's a few things that 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 entails for us as our vision 2030. One is by 2030, for every dollar that we spend inside the church, this church is going to spend one dollar in outreach and mission. For every dollar we spend on ourselves... We're going to spend $1 outside the church to reach new people, to help those who are hurting. The second aspect of that, of our mission for 2030 and serving our neighbors, is that Rockbridge, we're going to use our facilities to be a hub. We're going to invite organizations that share our, our vision and our mission to use our facilities and to reach people. We have a wonderful mission team, and they have evaluated a ton of, of mission organizations and are, have recommendations and are ready for you to serve in all these different aspects. You want to help the homeless? We have that. You want to build homes for people? We have a group for you. You want to help at, uh, give food to the hungry? We have a ministry for that. And we want to share those with you. And uh, 
you just need to check our mission board. And we're going to do a lot more about sharing those opportunities in front of you over the coming weeks. But we, are, we want everyone to be in service. Imagine what a church would look like if every single person reached out in service to the world. Everyone. You know, churches have this 80-20 rule, and I hate it. I think it's all organizations, that 20% of the people do 80% of the work. We're not going to accept that any longer. I want 100% of the people to do 100% of the work. All of us are called. All of us have at least one hour a week that we can serve. Imagine a church with 100% of the people reaching out in love and concern to our neighbors. You know, we, we know that we live in a broken world. We know that it's hurting. We know that there is decay. We know there is suffering. But here's the truth. We are a resurrection people. And we are a new creation in Jesus Christ. And where we go, we bring life. And we chase out the death. And we chase out the darkness. So I want to invite you as the church. I don't know what it is. I don't know what you're particularly called to. We have a lot of different opportunities in different ways that you can minister to our neighbors. But stop making excuses. And I want to challenge you. Uh, Steve challenged me to do a little Superman thing here. I want to challenge you. I, I've never ran a marathon in my life. But I'm going to tell you I'm going to run a marathon because I think clean water is a goal that no one should have to die because of... because they don't have access to clean water. And if I can do it, you can do it.